0: All right, we weren't that far in, Bo, So We're going to have to take it from the top. Do you mind?
1: You how? Far, wait, we weren't recording at all?
0: No, it seems not. Ah, uh,
1: son of a bitch. All right, let's uh, bang this out real quick, shall I'm we? We're going to
0: check something and see if we got anything. No. No. I'm your up by Yeah, surprisingly, I me on how you want to go about this. So many things to talk about. We had Star Wars. We have upcoming comic book movies like Doctor Strange. Um, upcoming science fiction movies. Upcoming everything. Deadpool's coming out. I mean, where do we begin?
1: Really happy and jazzed with how uh, this last year ended with a bang with the Star Wars. It's a, definitely a geek high holiday. Hey, yes. Um, I think this year we have a lot of uh, expectations for a lot of awesomeness coming down the pipe as well. Uh I think it's been really fun. It's going to continue to be really awesome. And uh, speaking of Star Wars, uh, you and I a bit of consider ourselves somewhat of a Star Wars aficionados. Yes. Well, yes, uh, we
0: are very versed in Star Wars, whether it's expanded universe or current. I'm almost, I'm almost through all of the current canon novels now.
1: The novels, the comics, uh, Star Wars Rebels, the, the animated show, uh, Clone Wars, all of it, you know. Uh, but there's another uh, corner of Star Wars that I like a lot, and that's uh, the role-playing game aspect of it, the tabletop role-playing. It's actually really cool in a very expansive universe. You yeah, have, they went uh,
0: through a couple of iterations. They were the West End Games, uh, uh, D20. Roll Twenty, and Fantasy Flight currently.
1: Yep, D20, Fantasy Flight. It has a lot of iterations because it's very popular. It's, it's the uh, you know, sci fi's space opera, and it lets us all for a lot of fun role playing. It's definitely now,
0: full of adventure.
1: Exactly. Now, my question to you, though, is not so much necessarily just about the games themselves, but the role playing. Now, uh, some of us may be familiar with role playing, we may be role players ourselves or know somebody who is, but. Uh-huh. What exactly is it like to be on the other side of that? I mean, the the storyteller, the game master, the dungeon master, whatever you want to call it. uh, You've run several games. You do that uh, often. And I guess my question to you is, if somebody were to want to start a game themselves, what would they have to do to run their own game?
0: Oh, so the question is to me on my experience as a GM, a game master, a moderator, a referee, a host, as I'd like to call it.
1: I think we should go to the game corner.
0: The dice corner it is. And on to the dice corner. So, Bo, um, so you wanted to ask me a couple of things about being a, a game master, a host for the games. Where to start? Uh, well, if you
1: were going to give some ideas, some tips to someone wanting to start a game, uh, I guess the first question is, is uh, how do you do that? Uh, how do you get people together? Uh, what's What game do you run? Uh, you know, there's a process here that sort of the setup, the, the nuts and bolts.
0: Well... Basically, the easiest way to go about it is first you understand your role as a GM is there are the players who bring their, their individuality of characters into these things. And your role is to set up the world in which those characters will exist in. So
1: you're kind of like a director of a movie.
0: Kind of, kind of. The director of a movie, radio play. You're basically setting the stage for where the story would take place. And there's a lot of ingredients that go to it. One of which is to make sure that everybody has an idea of what they want to play. What game they want to play? What genre they want to play? Who they want to play in this genre? And most, and most, most of important, most importantly of all, what do they want out of the game? Whether it's comedy, violence, uh, science fiction, thriller, horror, what have you? There's many different ways to run the same game. You could run the same story thirty different times, and it'll be different every time if it's got a different theme in mind. So
1: you're also the uh, person who does casting. You're also the producer. So you, you wear several hats. Uh, you well, organize, you, you sort of get everybody in line of what it is that they want to do, correct?
0: Yeah. So once you, like, I always say the best thing is to have a very loose plan going in so that when people start making their individual characters to participate in this setting, like if, like, it, 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 before I even go further, explaining further what a role-playing game is, is plain and simple. It's like a radio play where everybody is playing a role of a character that they've designed, but it's improv, so there's no script or anything like it, and your job as a GM is to pick the direction in which this goes, and they can give you turns that will throw you off, like you once called it a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah. Um Now, as as you said, you're like a, a casting director. I'm not so much a casting director as much as you are trying to find where your cast fits in the direction that they, as a group, collectively want to go.
1: Okay, so you're saying uh, that there are definite uh, rules to work with. It's not just so freeform as people just randomly blurting stuff out.
0: Well, no. um, Because of the ingredients that make this, um, the the main ingredients that are part of this is, one, the players and their individual ideas coming up with what they want to play, and two the randomness of the dice
1: so when you say what they want to play are there a lot of options and choices
0: depending on the game that you are i mean like uh there's several examples star wars for example has everything in it from uh a brash pilot to uh, like iconic bounty hunter (laughs) you know and so so you could play a smuggler or a jedi or a senator at the very least those are the simplest templates to go with Huh. But you could, play, you could play Quisotic Jedis. Uh, you could play... Can you play uh, Wookiee? Yes, you could play a Wookiee. Nice. You, Wookie. you could play an Ewok. It doesn't matter. The universe is boundless. But then there are games that are a little bit more narrow. Like, um, uh, what's a good one? Like in uh, fantasy games, like Palladium Fantasy, they have not as many selections. They have uh, soldiers and priests and wizards and stuff like that. Meanwhile, Star Wars has so many choices, you can make up whatever.
1: Oh, so you can completely come up with your own character on the fly.
0: Well, at least in the original WEG one. Uh, the Fantasy Flight game has uh, limited templates to go with. I think there's uh, eight available races or and 16 templates to go with. So it's a little bit more limited. Old WEG, West End Games, they had an endless... Uh, a plethora of where you can go with it. So
1: really the, your imagination is as limitless as you potentially want it to be, or as, uh, down to earth and, and mechanical as you would need it basically. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, that, that is a, a big, big, um, way to look at it. So now,
1: okay. Let's say you decided you want to do star Wars. Cause I don't mind keeping on the star Wars name a little bit here. Uh, everyone agrees you got you know four or five people that are like okay we want to do star wars we just saw the movie and uh we want to do our own version of the characters you know i want to play you know a pirate a space pirate i want to play uh a bounty hunter i want to play uh, a jedi and someone else wants to play a mechanic former stormtrooper
0: or a mechanic exactly um Now that you have that sort of worked out, what would be the next step? The next step is for you to sit with the players and decide how these people came together in a group. Because it's most essential in every role-playing setting that the group is together, that they are part of a group, that they have vested interest in each other in one way, shape, or form. Whether it's in the method of the hateful eight or whether it's in the method of a solid team that is like a family to each other, they have to have a vested interest in this sh- sh- a one-shot game or a long-term campaign that you're running.
1: Oh, you bring up an interesting question. Um, the idea of one-shots or campaigns,
0: what's the difference? Okay, well, one-shots is you guys get together, you've got a story in mind based on um, these characters that everybody picked, or you already pre-picked characters for people if they're okay with it and you hand it out to them, or you put out a pile of characters and you say, pick one. Whatever works for you. And you basically – you just do your story right there and then and whether it takes one session or three, it has a beginning and an end. A campaign per se though is kind of a little bit more long run. There's an overarching story to all of it. If you were to treat it like a TV show, you could say it's running over several seasons and each season has a themed story arc that has a definitive end. So it's kind of like Star Wars
1: Rebels where – you have these characters who run into each other, but, like, the overarching theme is, you know... Forming a rebellion. Forming a rebellion, team unity, getting to know each other, uh, forming friendships, That's finding a campaign. yourself. That's okay. a campaign.
0: Meanwhile, the movie Firefly is a one-shot. Mm-hmm. The series of Serenity... Well, well, you know, the series Firefly... The, sorry, I got it wrong. The series Serenity is a campaign, and the movie Firefly is a one-shot. Ah, uh, okay.
1: Um... Is one more interesting or better than the other, or are they just different styles and flavors?
0: Different styles and flavors. It's a matter of what people prefer to do. I mean, like, um, some of our players in particular are not a fan of one-shots. At least we thought so, but as you know, in, like, uh, the last time we played uh, that Fistful of Credits type game, we thought um, the one player who doesn't like one-shots, he gave his all, and he had one hell of an incredible character arc in a short three-session game. I guess my other question
1: to you at that point would be now you have picked one or the other ideas or some combination in between uh you got your group you got your people what's the easiest way for people to get together to do this i mean do you get together at somebody's house do you meet at the library do you go find a 24-hour coffee house uh do you do it online like what
0: what what can you do well the answer to that is the simple answer is yes to all of that whatever works for your group i mean like i'm as I've said before, I'm more privy to everybody coming over to my house and we play, or I go over to their house. But what, what if that's not your cup of tea? What if you, you know, you could pay to have it hosted at a game store or what have you, or you guys like role-playing in the park, uh, what have you. Being that it's a sit-down game and all you need is table chairs and pencils and paper, you can do it just about everywhere. And even in the case of you both, because you're part of our gaming group, and we live in New York City, and you live in San Diego, Mm -hmm. Um, we Skype you in, and we use Roll20, uh, the online interface Roll20, to handle all the dice and character stuff, and that's a great tool that we've made use of, and it didn't stop you from getting your game on. It did not.
1: Actually, I'm a big fan of Roll20.
0: Uh, I spent a
1: bit of time, along with you guys, kind of poking around to see if there was a program or something that would uh, make the process of role-playing long distances easier. I know there's a lot of different ones to do that. There's stuff on, like, Google uh, plus, there's uh, Roll Twenty. There's a lot of different newer mediums to sort of allow people in very different locations to get together at the same time. Uh, Roll Twenty being one of my tri- my favorites.
0: Roll Twenty definitely being one of my favorites because um um the service is generally free, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could pay a small subscription fee and you up what you can do with it because it actually becomes a peripheral that is very useful because you can design your own character seats. You can make maps in which tokens are moving back and forth as sentry guards, all sorts of little nuanced it a, things. Mm, yeah.
1: It has an in-game dice roller and everything. It's actually very useful. Yeah. And uh, we tend to use uh, Skype and other things to communicate for ease of use for everybody. Uh, but Roll20 also has its own internal... Uh, communication in there as well, so
0: they use the can- they use a Google the Google Group up whatever that is. I think so, yeah, yeah.
1: Don't quote me on that one, but I do know it's in there. Uh, so if you have a webcam and a microphone, you can still go through all twenty period um, without uh, sounding too much like a show for all twenty because I like it. Now that we've sort of uh, hammered out a few other things, I guess my next question would be: What are some of the ideas or, or challenges? Uh, as a someone who takes on the task, the role of a game master uh, that you feel that you should fill in other people on for, like,
0: what it is that you do, why you do it. I have made so many mistakes as a GM. I mean, how long have I been running games? I think almost, like, 23 years, she, almost? A couple decades. Yeah. Um, and there have been... A fair share of failures and successes, and you know what? I'm not even going to call it failures. I, 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 would, not, I wouldn't call them failures because they were still it,
1: fun. They're, they're, it, they're, I, I would call it a learning process. I mean, the reality is this: anybody who steps into this the first time, and please feel free to correct me from wrong, um, you're gonna you're gonna make choices, you're gonna do things, and there's no you're right get stuck. or wrong. Yeah, there, there really is no right or wrong. It's all just sort of like a learning process. It's like uh, learning to ride a bike. Or learning to play a video game or any other things that uh, in particular
0: have a lot of interactions with people this is, this Uh, is one of the reasons why I prefer role playing over video games because because of what you're talking about the limit to what you can do in a game doesn't exist it doesn't exist the limit to what you can do in a video game it's limited to what they pre-programmed the game to allow you to do. But in a role-playing game, you can up and decide to just leave the adventure and everybody can just say, you know what, screw this. I don't feel like fighting this guy. Let's all go to a bar and so i leave. S-
1: <clears throat> so you're saying it's not unlike uh, Fallout or uh, Skyrim where you have this sort of expansive options to the talk. The sandbox or,
0: to do. The, with, the
1: big sandbox to do what you want.
0: But even bigger because you are not, it is not linear in any way with one exception and that exception is the game master the host because the freedom of the game is completely in your hands i've been more of like in recent years i've been more leaning towards absolute freedom like i'll have a plan in my mind but leave absolute freedom to the players to go wherever they want to go with this and you might find yourself surprised now you were saying um, what advice I would give? The first advice I would give is let go. Let go. The second advice I give would be a complete contradiction to that, and that is plan. Plan. Have a have an A B C plan. Like plan where the game starts. Imagine that scene. Then where you want the game to go midpoint. What information you need them to know. And then at what point do you want that conclusion to happen, to leave it off? But if you notice, I'm I'm still vague in my mm-hmm. specificity of this, and there's a reason for that, is because they will surprise you. The players will not go with the plan. They will not. Oh, although there's been rare cases where... So for some strange reason, everybody went exactly as planned, and I was totally overprepared for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Um, I guess the only other thing I would add to this, from sort of a straddling uh, position of uh, put someone who has run and someone who has played, is enjoy yourself. Like really seriously, if you if you're not having fun, uh, you're not doing it right. You yeah. got to enjoy. Uh, the things that go right. Enjoy
0: the things that go wrong. And know that the dice are going to frustrate you at some points.
1: Enjoy the interactions because I think more than anything else uh, the interactions between people can be frustrating at times or the fact that you had this massive uh, idea of how this was supposed to go. You plotted, you planned, you did all this back work, uh, you did all these maps, uh, made these characters, all this sort of stuff, and then everybody takes a turn in a different direction. And then you just got to
0: toss all the maps away, you got to Take those plans out of the loop, but, but here, but remember this: you know the game world that you're in. If you even if you read the book, you know the game world you're in, and you and even if you don't know the game world that well, oh, there, there, there's books. Yes, there are books. There are tons of books for you to buy, and describes the worlds that you want to play in. That's what I say, That's what I mean when I say there's a multitude of genres. D and D is not the only game that exists. Neither is Star Wars. There are so many. I got a library, a library of games here. And um uh, the, are those are those physical books or programs or what? They're physical books and PDFs. All of the above, because you can get them. You can get you can get digital media for your role playing information. Like a drive through RPG has tons of it, or you could go to your local game shop and get a physical book, or you go online and order a physical book or a PDF. So, would you
1: possibly recommend people who wanting who are wanting to start this idea going down to a local game
0: shop and talking to some people about it? I would definitely say start with going to your local game shop local game shops always need the the the, the customers first start there if all else fails then go to drive through RPG or go online you can get these books anywhere from drive RPG you can get physical books on Amazon you there's little versions of some books and heck you can google what
1: is you know a, a good way to run a game uh, there's so many resources
0: um uh, uh, my, my- one of my favorite guys on tips and role-playing, I, I almost agree with everything he's said so far, is Will Wheaton um, on, um, I think it's Geek and Tundry. Geek he and has Tundry. this whole tabletop corner. I agree with every tip he's given so far. I was like, yes, you are right, Will Wheaton. Yes, you yeah. are right, Will Wheaton.
1: No, Will Wheaton is a, an amazing human being. Um, <laughs> I like following his show. He This last year he did a, a show uh, – almost exclusively about running a game with people to kind of show what it was like uh, they came up with their own world it's really amazing uh, Will Wheaton we salute you you're an amazing human being uh, to, to take on this idea of trying to show people what role playing can be like in a really uh, open minded kind of way uh, I appreciate it it's a lot of fun to watch and I hope I look forward to the next season actually uh, but yeah I mean if you ever want to know uh, what that's sort of like I would highly recommend Geek and Sundry. Uh, go check out Will Wheaton. He's got a few episodes. You can just see what that sort of re- response and reaction is, the interactions between someone running a game and someone playing, a group playing it right there in front of your eyes. It's really cool.
0: Um, I can't say it enough. I think I'll give this as a perfect example. I was running a game called Night Spawn. To this day, it's Night Bane, sorry. To this day, night, I still call night, it. Uh, Nightbane. Night I, to this day, I still call it Night's One, I'm sorry. That was the first printing of it. And uh, I'm not going to go into what the game is about. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a thing. Contemporary horror? Kind of, kind of. You're playing monsters, and um, not even bad monsters. Monsters who were once teenagers with attitudes, basically. <laughs> and and um, you're fighting an unstoppable evil menace and striving for hope. But at one point, one of the major player characters, that would be one of the players, died. He died. He was dead. And when I mean dead, I mean in a game where it's hard to die, he was flat out dead, him and one other person. Now, there is an aspect of of the game that's called the Astral Plane. And far out into the Astral Plane, there's this weird place called the Void, where the potential for anything is possible. That aside, I didn't care. The rest of the player characters were in the Astral Plane in a casino. And that's where the player who lost his character introduced his new guy. His new guy hooked up with this new group, and they were supposed to continue with the campaign. Here's where the left turn comes. One of the player characters who was a veteran player who knew the old guy who died was like, he died, let's see if we can get him back. And everybody was like, but he's dead, dude, that's final. He's like, but anything's possible here. Maybe we can find a way to breach time and space (laughs) <laughs> and go to the moment where he was going to die and rescue him. And I'm like, okay, me being me, I was just saying, you know what? I'll make it possible, but I'll make it so hard the failure will be so unbearable for them to deal with. So I came up with this impossible task that no matter how skilled you are, it still in the end came down to random rolls. It required them to go out into the depths of void space after beating a gladiatorial match to get the kind of resources to go out there. They went out there into the voids of the depths. And they fought the horrors there in a realm where they couldn't exist. It was slowly eating them away. Only to find a source of energy in which they could try to manifest the ability to breach time and space. Which I still gave them a percentage chance where they had to roll out of a hundred, they had to roll under two. A two or lower.
1: So on a chance, on a dice that has a chance to roll anywhere between a one and a one hundred, the only option to succeed was to roll a one or a two. Out of 100.
0: Yes. And then after that, they would have to roll under 10. And then after that, they would have to make at least three saving throws that gave them so many negatives, they would have to roll uh, high rolls, and the last one would have to be a natural 20, because it was impossible for them to make the saving throw. They did it all. They rolled the they rolled the one, they made it under 10, they made the three saving throws, and the, with the last saving throw, they made it with the 100, and okay, so they breached time and space. And I'm sorry, I put all reasonable odds against them. And so now I have to, okay, so what do I do? So I ended that game with them kerplotted in the area where the fight took place where the last player died. Mind you, the player is there with his new character also. So, so have- the
1: player whose character died is in the same place with the new character he made to replace the deceased character to s- save his deceased character.
0: Yes, none of this was planned. None of this was planned. Sounds like fun role-playing to me. But I went through with this because they were set on it. They were dedicated to it. And in the end, when I got back to the game, I, I looked through my notes to find out how that scenario went, and I replayed the scenario. And I, for everything, I kept the roles of the enemies the way they were. I kept the rolls of the enemies the way they were. You don't have to keep records of rolls or anything like that. But I have a good mind for remembering certain things like that. And I, I knew they rolled high here. There was a critical here. And I'd pick from a pool of it. And then when it breached off of that, I, had, I started rolling again. Needless to say, they saved the guy who died. And the game had to continue from there. And it branched off into two separate games. And I rolled with it. And the players were so happy with their success. <laughs> That how can I not reward this? Of course, you guys are amazing. There you go. You, against all odds, you breached time and space and saved your friend. How can you say no? No. How can you say you guys did a bad job? How can you say, oh, but in the end he dies on his way home? A bus hits him or something. Uh, the, the Japanese movies were where they get run over by
1: a, a taxi while they're walking home after all the things have succeeded. Because no he's died and, and fate in the universe demands that he
0: not live so then i embraced it further and i took this plot to add something to the overall plot and i created something having to do with fate and destiny that the monsters that they play because the person who led this wasn't a monster he was a psychic human and i made it and and actually you they needed his psychic powers to pull off the task so i brought it to the point that It empowered humans. It showed that humans were still important to this, and that became a very big theme in my story, and it made a lot of the players focused on protecting mankind. So it actually galvanized them in a more positive way in the plot overall because against all odds, that success made them believe that no matter how daunting the task, if they plan and put all their bones in that basket, they can do it. And I'm not going to just turn a blind eye to it. sounds like you got thrown
1: for a few swerves but i mean you enjoyed yourself didn't you
0: oh wholeheartedly i completely enjoyed myself i mean there was one little frustrating point like because i hit a bump when they were coming up with this plan i i had my npcs which are the non-player characters the guys that i play there Mm -hmm. which is everybody else in the world trying to keep them back on track like they were naysayers they were like no it's impossible no you shouldn't do it you'll get us all killed no one will save the entire group if we die everything's over Constantly naysaying through it, and I was getting frustrated because they were just like, nope, 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 we're saving them, nope, shut up, nope, nope, we're not listening, shut up, you're a naysayer, You need join or walk, you know, they were just set, it was just, that's how it's going to be, shut up. Once I got over the whole naysaying, I was like, you know what, let's see where this goes. The game we were talking about is uh, called Nightbane uh, from Palladium
1: Books, uh, they've been around for a while, I believe it was uh, one of the books done by uh, CJ, uh, Corella, and Kevin Simbata, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. And that's back in 1995. Yeah, uh, the, books still still right the books are yeah, still available. The books are still
0: available, yeah. They're, 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 almost every Palladium game book is not out of print to this day. Yeah, That's almost- right. It's, go to palladiumbooks.com and you too can have this kind of fun. Only if you try
1: the your local hobby shop first. Yes, go to your local hobby shop. Uh, physical books are a beautiful thing. I love them. Uh, but yeah, you can order stuff. They'll send it to you. You I don't can order know if it through they- your shop.
0: I don't know if they have PDFs for the books. I don't think so.
1: But you can um, probably ask your your local shop to order it for you. They'll they'll be happy to do it.
0: The positive thing about Palladium books is that all their books are pretty inexpensive compared to the, a lot of the other game books out there, and they're 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 well put together. They don't fall apart. You know, there's some game books look pretty but fall apart under the excruciating torture of a bunch of guys arguing and rambling around an area where pizza eating, and other, eating
1: pizza chips and drinking Mountain Dew.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I attack the darkness. I hate
1: Mountain Dew. Oh. All right. Um, Getting back on track a little bit. Uh, so what you're saying is it is a lot of fun to do. Um, it can be very challenging. It is always entertaining and interactive. And there are lots of resources for anybody who wants to try to take their hand at this, correct?
0: Yeah, basically the whole premise of the game is storytelling, character making, and – group camaraderie you are together and making a story happen and there is an endless amount of fun that could be had by it you
1: easily a ragtag bunch of uh people from all corners of the galaxy helping to form a rebellion to overthrow the evil empire of the galaxy
0: okay you got me warmed up Bo. do you got any more questions for me yeah, seriously i just like what yeah um my
1: other question would be uh so it's easy enough to say i'm going to set up this world and do these things uh but there is a little bit of uh, back back uh, office work there. So I guess one of my biggest questions would be how would you tell someone, explain to them uh, tips for creating memorable villains or stories uh, to uh, have their players enjoy themselves, the interactive
0: process of this? Oh, my God. The simplest thing to do is crib every form of media and entertainment that you have ever read or seen in your life for designing villains and settings and scenarios and stories. So if I I wanted to, I could,
1: say, have watched uh, Enter the Dragon, Mortal Kombat, uh, Starship Troopers, uh, Serenity, and uh, The Hateful Eight mash them all together and have myself a handful of interesting plot elements and bad guys to work from
0: yeah easily i mean you're talking to the guy who uh, this is the only thing i pat my back on there is no such thing as a bad game there's only just if the game inspires you or not one of the worst games that i've ever seen was the street fighter role-playing game and i love white wolf Onyx Path, whatever they're calling themselves now but that was their tank right there and i ran that game and the players loved it you were one of them both Yes, I was. I had a lot of fun playing that game. And it wasn't a comedy game. It wasn't a comedy. It was, like, serious stuff that was going on. I just went all, like, I went Karate Kid with one guy, Bronson with another guy, um, anime with another guy, and it just came together. Um, But as far as coming up with story ideas, you've got, I mean, we live in a country full of mass media. You've got so many ideas to run through. We'll list a couple of them. Uh, Anime, would you crib
1: from anime? Yes uh tv shows yes. movies yes uh
0: give me give me a
1: couple of ideas to, to crib
0: i have cribbed in no short order i have cribbed blade runner i have cribbed um mortal Kombat. i have cribbed um uh um an old anime by the name of dangayo i have it, completely not in a Dan Gaio setting i cribbed Dan Gaio for like a star wars game um i've I've cribbed uh, 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 tons of anime left and right for this. I've cribbed comics I've read, but I did their storylines in horror settings. Like, I've mixed and matched and just changed elements and themes, and it worked because a story is a story. You just keep the elements that are part of that world solid, and you can mix and match whatever you want. For fun, I even got a book that had a list of 500 random hooks that you can just throw in, and I've ran with that. I have literally ran... Um, the closest thing to Blade Runner in a Blade Runner setting I ran a Blade Runner game in Cyberpunk it was a solo adventure John was playing it was his cop in Cyberpunk and he was going after experiments that had gotten away people who were experiments that had gotten away and I had a Rutger Hauer-esque character there and I crossed that with Ghost in the Shell because he had a cyborg partner that was a bit that, that had human detachments and they were having problems and I took elements of that and put it in a later game in which that same cop had to go up against a spider tank in the middle of a friggin', uh, uh Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty strut scenario where he had to get – I've used a lot of things. So video games, comic books, all the things that
1: we, we watch and love and enjoy. You can take a lot of elements and inspiration from
0: any one of those uh, memorable bad guys. Uh, For designing bad guys. Um, I usually start with a name that's easy to remember. That's most important. It's not always what will hook, because, like, Star Wars had my most memorable villain, but I had two guys with very basic... There was two villains. Some people remember Brass Mosa more. Other people remember Cycloid more. But they were both memorable, simple names that easily stay in the brain. Moza Cycloid. And I gave them each personality quirks and obsessions... One would talk a lot. The other was just, you know, I'm going to do this and you're going to get this, you know. Mm-hmm. And they both had different method- methodologies. Like, Cycloid was basically nearly unbeatable. He was an unbeatable machine that he, 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 the best way to beat him would be to run until he can't come up to you. And Brass Moza was clever and highly skilled and had tons of – he was Batman in Star Wars basically, mm-hmm. you know. And so he had a lot of things to his advantage. They each had their strengths and weaknesses. I mean, in the end, you guys shot Cycloid with a ship, and Brass Mosa got beaten in, in a confrontation fight in which he didn't plan for one thing. He was tricked by one thing, and that threw him off. And that's, that's, where, I, that's where I'll go into another, uh, another important tip I can give you. Kill your darlings. Let them die. Your darlings? Your darlings. The sweethearts. Your NPCs that you get attached to. If a scenario happens in which they would die, kill them, let them die. If the player saved them, fine. That means the player was invested in their life, and that makes them more important. If the villain, at a crucial and dramatic point, I mean, if it's supposed to be your major villain, if at a crucial and dramatic point he completely botches a role where you can think to yourself, oh, this could be a cinematic point where he could die, let him die. Let him die. It'll make his defeat so much more memorable. These, and I've held to this.
1: Um, So I guess in the end here, uh, how would you, now that we have the idea of sort of the nuts and bolts, a story, a group, a bad guy, a direction, uh, do you have any recommendations for uh, tying up the loose ends and coming to like a dramatic conclusion?
0: Well, one of my biggest tools is the players. The players have always helped me round out my story. Like, I'll have a cause and effect, a goal of what a villain did, but every last one of my mysteries and other elements, while I've had ideas in mind, not with any short note, not with any limit on it, have I had to change entire plans because the players came up with better um, conspiracy thoughts on what happened. So I'm like, you know what? That sounds better. And I just scrub everything that I thought of and replace it with something close to what they have. And I'm like, oh, I didn't see it that way. They found clues that I didn't see that was there. Um, you know what? That might be a thing. I'm not saying do that every time because red <coughs> herrings are a thing that are worth having. Red herrings are a thing worth having. But um, from time to time, yeah, take their ideas and coming to a climax. Set your stage like you would any climax, but know that the climax can come before you even planned it and what your job is, is to make it worth it. Okay. Last question. You have your beginning, middle, end sort of worked out here.
1: Uh, you got the group together. They banded. Uh, they're having their adventures. They're having their character developments. their ups their downs. Uh, they're having their climactic battle with the big Are they bad. having their
0: fun? Are they having their fun? That's most They're important. having their fun. Okay. Because um, I just want to interject, interject this. this. You're right. That's the important part. I want to interject this, that escaping all of that, you could have no plot. It could be a crappy story. It could be stupid NPCs. It could be ridiculous stuff. But as long as everybody's having fun, roll with it. It's great. It's oh, absolutely get, I'll, golden. I'll get back to that in a minute. I'm going to bring up a game that
1: we had a lot of fun and had absolutely no purpose whatsoever. Um, you know, <laughs> you There's might not there's and been a couple, you, I don't know. You get this moment, you kind of have it all built up, everybody's sort of, all, all the, the pistons are, are going on this, all engines go, um, and then dice rolls happen. Because dice rolling is, is a thing. Mm. And all of a sudden, they go from rolling like rock stars and stopping all the bad, the bad guys leading up to the big bad, and then they can't roll to save their lives, literally. <laughs> this
0: We've, has happened. So many times. It happens a a many of times. So what to do here? All right. One. You've reached the climax or an important point in your game that's a story beat that has all odds against it, and your player's just borking all of his roles. I mean not due to a lack of motivation. He's like wants it, but you know, random is what random is. That's okay. Um one, he's not alone. There's another player group, and if he is alone in the scenario you can always create a situation where another player can work his way to him, and he's not alone. If they're all borking it, you have NPCs. I always put at least two NPCs with them to be supportive, but not a rescue, to be someone worth saving if there, if if something's going bad, or to feel lost. Like you could always kill the NPCs to show the imminent importance of a threat, um, and the NPCs. Can just make it and save them, and and most likely they've saved the NPC before. So, uh, lovely banter back and forth on you know, you you saved me this time, but most importantly, um, if you want to avoid the player death, um, give a reason for the villain to leave. He's okay. won. He won. He doesn't have to finish it. But if you don't, if you're not worried about player death, a player dying due to bad rolling, it could happen. And that's fine, that's perfectly fine. It's just you know do what you can in the less in the most you could do to make that death
1: memorable. Would you recommend possibly talking it over with the players before that, and explaining that in this scenario, uh, character death is definitely an option.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, definitely say it in the campaign. But here's the thing: is um, you can't plan for it because sometimes bad rolling just leads to character death.
1: Uh, cyberpunk.
0: Um, no. um <laughs> Here, no perfect example. Robotech, Bo, the Sentinel Saga. Ah, uh, Sentinels. You and Jay were trapped in a room with a number of other R.E.F. soldiers that were on your side, and you and you had a, a, a basically a kill hole. There was a door, and the enemies were coming through a bit at a time, and you guys were gunning them down, but their numbers were near endless, and your numbers were running out. You were rolling like a deity, and John borked it. But in his bork, he killed one last, you killed the one guy in front of him, and that guy fell on him, and he was pinned, but he was covered from every assault. So he so now you're on your own. But in the last bit, an enemy pulled off killing you and you died. But your last action preserved his life. So yeah, you were you were sour about it, but in the end, you knew that he lived be, only because of you, and he'll never forget you. This is true. Yeah, and it was a war genre, war scenario, if anybody's familiar with Robotech. Yeah, people die like, you know, like water falling off a cliff or a river. It's a waterfall of death. uh,
1: Robotech is very much, uh, if you took um, every major... for example, uh, upcoming movie, uh, Independence Day,
0: where there's this unlimited swarms of alien bad guys coming at you. And you ramp it and, times 100 because they are not only just outclass you with weapons, they outclass you with numbers. And the devastation that they can do and rot to the planet is effective. Very, very effective. It's very much
1: humanity versus an alien menace. Um, and, you know, death happens very easily in a, in a sort of war, war genre like that. Um, so... In some cases, you know, some games, death is a very real possibility for characters. And for others, uh, superhero genres in particular, death is a little more malleable and less uh, perma.
0: Yeah, um, like, when I started running these games, I didn't have a GM shield or anything like that. You guys saw my rolls all the time. Mm -hmm. And, Bo, you could testify to this. I roll really good. (laughs) That dice was loaded, sir. Uh (laughs) I roll really good, and death happened a lot in Robotech. And, like... The, you learn to put a shield in front of it the reason why I got a shield is because sometimes maybe the, I might want to like fudge once in a blue moon to it not be so drastically painful on the player I never fudge in favor of the enemy never, never, don't bother there's plenty of them, you only got a few players fudge in favor of the, the players once in a while but don't do it often because you, wanna, you want them to feel the control that they have um, last thing
1: I've touched on an earlier point games for just the sake of games uh, role playing games in particular just having fun Uh, we played a game called Hole oh Uh human uh, which stands H-O-L which stands for human occupied Uh, landfill
0: Landfill. oh my god that game was hilarious (laughs) Um, this game
1: takes the convention of role playing games and genres and just is completely irreverent about all of
0: it I basically describe it as you know reading a Lobo comic and all the characters are not Lobo Mm -hmm. Everybody else in that Lobo universe? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, when, like you mentioned earlier, uh, it doesn't have to
1: have a beginning, middle, end. It doesn't have to have these climactic moments. It doesn't have to have all these beats, uh, storytelling or otherwise. Um, It can just be fun for fun's sake. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of games you can play and do any way you want, as long as you guys are having fun. If you guys want to play a bunch of... uh, Scarfy nerve herders in the Star Wars universe who jump into stormtrooper outfits and uh, raise hijinks and hilarity amongst the Empire while wearing imperial uniforms. Playing red versus blue, basically
0: the role playing. Yeah, game.
1: red versus blue role playing and go nuts, have fun, enjoy. As long as everybody's agreed and having fun, that's all that matters. I think we've covered uh, the bases here,
0: yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, th- I think uh, we've covered the bases of it, and you know, anytime you want to do this, Bo. I am more than willing to give tips and opinions on stuff having to do with uh, role-playing games. And um... Awesome. Well, folks, uh, welcome to Dice Corner. We'll be
1: doing this again. Um, my name is Bo. This and is Mike. Mike, yeah, yeah that's me. And uh, it's been fun geeking out with you at all times. We'd like to give
0: thanks to the great musical talents of Thunderstruck Studios and the great work... A oh, freak of the week! I'd also like to give a thanks out to Adrian for the lending of his wonderful song that comes at the end. Thank you. See ya later. I will see you later. Bye bye, later, I will see you later, bye-bye. See ya later.